Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Forever Fangirls. Today's episode number is 3A. What was that? What? The 3A. You're singing? Well, I wanted to do something different. But this is not a karaoke show. No, I wouldn't be making any noises during the karaoke show because I can't sing. That just sounded weird. Do you know that in grammar school I was actually in the classroom 3A? No. Random tidbit of information at the beginning of this episode. I am one of your dynamic duo hosting today. I am Kimberly Amato at Kimberly Amato on Twitter. And I am Sheila Amato on Twitter at Forever Fan Pod. We are also available by email at info at foreverfangirls.com. And today, as Kimberly mentioned, it is a bonus episode because we saw a phenomenal film, at least I think it is, over the weekend, and we wanted to share our, uh, I don't know if it's a review or reaction, maybe a little bit of both. It's a podcast. Okay. So in any event, we wanted to let you know that before you move on, this episode does contain a lot of spoilers if you haven't seen the movie the half of it by alice Wu, please stop any and all wherever you're listening to this just stop it allow it to just rest go watch the movie come back whenever we're cool we'll still be here it's not like it's gonna get deleted we promise yes and then once you see it then you can listen to us uh, or to this episode, and then see if you agree or disagree with our commentary. So basically, you're going to have about 10 or 15 seconds here of just pure marital banter of whatever with a lovely music track in the background while you can figure out how to turn everything off or rip the earbuds out of your ears, whatever you need to do. So here we go. Have you seen Saving Face? No, I have not. Really? Yes, really. Why would I why would I say otherwise? I thought we saw it together. Really? Well, it, forgive me. It's been 19 years. I'm allowed to make a mistake every now and again. <laughs> I thought we saw this because it was part of my contraband DVD collection. So, I, I don't thought, rummage through your your No, I collection. thought I didn't know if you had either seen it or if it was part of the digital collection that I have as well now. If you had seen it on your iPad, but for some reason, I thought we saw it together. No, we did not. Okay, well, that has got to be on. We've got to add that to our viewing list. Unfortunately, it a comes growing list and ever growing <laughs> list. Yeah, I apologize. Anyway, that has been your banter. So we are about to discuss the film, the half of it. I repeat, we are about to discuss the film, the half of it. In three, two, one. Okay. We're going to be breaking down our review, reaction, however you want to refer to it, in four different sections. It is going to encompass the good, the bad, the cute like unicorn poop, and our final thoughts. What? What? You know, what, did I say the four categories wrong? No. You, you just mentioned unicorn poop. What the heck is that? Unicorn poop. Like the 
the the gif that has the little unicorn and he's squatting and he's pooping rainbows? Ew. Well, it's no. rainbow ice cream. Ew. No. Well, it fits for the motif of the movie. It's not, love is not all sunshines, rainbows, and unicorn poop. Ew. Just go with it, please. Oh, now I'm not going to get out that out of my head. Aren't you so happy we have ice cream in the freezer? It Really? <laughs> really? That just ruined it for me. Oh, my God. More ice cream for You're me. You're terrible. So what was the good for you? So where do I start? There's so many things about this movie, actually, that I like. The writing, I thought, was phenomenal. There's a lot of great banter between the three main characters, there were um, a lot of poignant moments that I thought were very well done and very well acted. For example, um, the character of Ellie, right? I am Filipino, part Asian, part Chinese, actually. Uh, and there were scenes in the movie that really grabbed me. You know, she was almost invisible. No one really saw her, not even her own father, didn't see her potential. She just wanted to to work hard and stay in that small little town to help her, her dad and put her dreams and aspirations aside for it. You know, she, she was riding a bike uphill throughout the movie. You know, it, it symbolized to me how do I say this, her ongoing struggle of trying to just do the right thing. And she always does the right thing, but no one like really appreciates her for it. You know, the, the kids are like, oh, yeah, just pay Ellie and then she will write your paper for you, type thing. Um, it was very, there was a scene actually that, that really grabbed me when she and Paul were, watching one of those old time movies with her with their with Ellie's dad and it was that scene where they were watching the train scene right mm-hmm. and you know she was saying oh he's a moron why would he chase oh, chase a train and Paul says well it's not about that and you know she said something to the effect of well she's a moron too and then that scene manifested itself at the end of the film and when Paul did it, you know, she finally realized what that scene meant. And I'm getting emotional over it. Excuse me for a minute. Um, but basically, it's the Asians are supposed to be stoic. They're not supposed to have emotion. They're supposed to bury everything. And that just hit me about the film. And I'm going to pause right now so that you can take over for a minute. That is extremely powerful, what you just said. I know that's not easy to share. And it's not easy to um, explain or express yourself that way. Well, I always have trouble expressing myself anyway. So I try not to do very deep emotional things. Because I have trouble. I have trouble with words. And that's where I think, you know, I also have a connection with Paul. Because he doesn't have a way with words. But you do. I think that's what I have in common with Aster. Because I'm, I feel like I'm a mix of Aster and Paul. Mm-hmm. I am good with words, 
which Aster really her quick responses and her quick wit was great. Um, I think the way I write was similar to the way she would respond. I feel very much like Paul though, because I was also that athlete who was not expected to be very, very smart. I was the quote unquote dumb jock. Mm. I played the sports. I did very, very well on the field. And then, you know, but Paul at the end was able to run really, really fast. Yeah. I still can't run. Even, you know, Aster being the pretty girl, she was kind of looked at, she was an outcast. She wasn't happy because she couldn't be herself. Right. You know, all of them were like that. Yeah. Paul could cook. Um, but Paul couldn't really go to his mom. I think he even says, do I break her heart by opening up my own place? Right. Or do I break mine by not doing it? And Ellie is giving up her entire future because she says, I have to take care of my dad. Because her dad pretty much, based on how I believe in my humble opinion the story went, he kind of gave up when his wife died. I feel that way with you, that there's a love so strong that when you do lose the one you love, you can't imagine moving forward. So I I very much appreciated how Alice Wu brought all of that to light in a way that it was just so beautifully shot and presented. Um, And there was like laden with comedy, like the diner sequence. Oh my God, that was so funny. You that know, was hilarious. And the simple things they did with that, the emphatic slamming of like the words up against right. the fictitious wall. It wasn't just like, what a are you saying? Yeah. Yeah. And then having the actor who, who was playing Paul, you know, look at the car and be, you could feel the anxiety that he has because he's sitting there not knowing what the two of them are talking about. Mm-hmm. And then he's supposed to be saying it. So it's like, oh my God. And that's where the actors, all three of them, in my opinion, excelled, mm-hmm. because they really brought that that top level, mm-hmm. you know, that, that the little extras. Yes. Um, I loved the scene where Ellie and Aster are painting the, the graffiti. Ah, right. And they were building upon each other and showing that, you know, you can you can help each other. You can continue to make something better and better and better and better and better. And then the the literal and figurative whitewashing. Oh, you know, I never even thought about that. Like, I, I, you know, I saw that scene, mm-hmm. right? That the, I guess the owner of where that wall was thought, you know, it was just graffiti, but it was a, a beautiful piece of art. And he just saw crap on the wall, I guess. Yeah. And then just cleaned it. Yeah, I kept thinking of it in two different ways. One was the, the literal whitewashing, but also the whitewashing of something that the eyes, the beauty, what is it? Beauty in the, is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. And I kept looking at it. And the first, after I figured all that out, my brain was going, wow, that was beautiful. The second thing that came to my mind was, man, that dude is so cheap. He couldn't paint the rest of the freaking wall white. He had to like have it all jagged. I would have left the freaking painting up. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even realize that really. I'm weird. So that, that for me was really very, very cool. So, is there anything else that you honed in on that you thought was really good? I really thought that the scene between Ellie's dad and Paul was very powerful. Which one? After they were in the kitchen, mm-hmm. after that whole like falling out with, with Ellie and Paul, Ellie's dad said, 
something to the effect of, did you ever love someone so much that you don't want them to change? Yeah. But then the two of them realized, you know what? You you have if you really love the person, you have to you have to let them go. You have to let them grow and be themselves. Otherwise, you're stifling them and you're you're killing who they were meant to be. And so that's when both of them realized, you know what? They both love Ellie in different ways, obviously, and that the only way to really show that is to let her let her go. That was a really pretty, like, beautiful scene there. It was. And the thing was, they didn't even really say a lot. Especially Paul. He didn't say a lot in that scene. No, he really didn't. He was just listening. And I was like, does he understand Mandarin? That You know, I was thinking that too. Yeah. Because I didn't, I, I don't know. But maybe, maybe it, it didn't matter what the words were. It mattered what the emotion was. Yeah. I can see that. And again, I need a minute. And that's a massive testament to an amazing director and writer for bringing... I mean, Alice Wu is... She just... She doesn't... She doesn't play. She brings a game to everything I've seen that she's done. And I appreciate talented people just blowing my mind. Okay, so now that we have covered... Pretty much the whole film because it was good. What, if any, in your humble opinion, is the bad? So when I watch movies, I just take it in holistically. Like I, I just enjoy it for what it is. Okay. And I just get carried away in the journey. So I didn't think that there was anything bad necessarily. The character that really got me like, uh, Under your upset. skin? Upset. <laughs> yes. It is uh, Aster's boyfriend. What's his name? Trig, I think. Uh, he was the epitome of privilege, right? Mm-hmm. The the line that he, that he told Ellie, you know, I know what's going on here. You really are in love with me. Like, really? You're conceited much? But, but... The next few minutes after that were absolutely amazing. Oh when my Ellie's God, father yes. just like hosed him down. Him. Exactly, Calm hosed down. him down. So, just to clarify for me, mm-hmm. do you think the character was necessary for a plot, or do you dislike him because the character wasn't necessary at all? Oh, I think he was necessary to the plot. Okay. I think that he had to be there to showcase the fact that Aster herself was in the gilded cage, right? She was popular. She was dating the basically the guy who owned half the town, including her house. Uh, yes, right? So she was quote so lucky, mm. but it was not where she wanted to be. It was not who she wanted to be with. Clearly, you know, he treated her like basically arm candy. Including when he proposed. Exactly, right? She was not a person to him. She was a thing to be be had. Well, when when he proposed and he said that um, he went on about love is patient, love is kind, he's doing all these things. And then 
it's like he's saying all the right words, but then all of a sudden he says, and I know she'll make me a good wife. Exactly. Like, really? I was, but did your head automatically think good wife or were you thinking like I was where he was going to say good husband? I know it would have been out of character for that specific evil loser of a guy, but I've always felt that like a marriage, it's like you make me a better person. So you just, your head immediately goes to what you think they're going to say, which is, oh, you know. Oh, no. Make me- I, I already knew he was going to say something totally pompous. So you already that, wrote him off. That would be, it was part of his character. Yeah. Right? There was nothing in the movie that showed me he would be anything but a pompous person. You can't say that word. No, I can't say that word. It is a G podcast. Yes, it is. Okay. So for me, the only thing, and I can't even call it a bad it just felt weird. Okay. And maybe I'm missing the point of it, which is very plausible. After Paul scores the touchdown with whatever play that was, and it was the first touchdown in eons, mm-hmm. he sees Ellie in that little uh, alleyway with the soda machine. Oh, my God. Or whatever that machine is. With the Yakult. So good. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> they're there. And he kisses her. And then she pushes him away. Kudos to Alice Wu for not falling into that, you know, high school rom-com where the best friends fall in love and everybody's happy and yay. I very much love the fact that Ellie stayed true to who she was. Yes. So she pushes him away. And then he says, I'm an idiot. I think he says I'm an idiot. Whatever it is. He says, you, you're in love with Aster. It's a sin. It felt weird for me him saying it's a sin because this entire time he's really known who she was and who she is on a deeper level. And even though it was a small town, I never got the feeling that that type of church was that um, conservative. Like there never, in my opinion, was any indication that it was that strict or homophobic. Okay. But I can understand why he did that. And and to me, I can only speak because this is what I would do. But when something shocks me, and this was a very big shock to Paul, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like you just revert back to something that you are familiar with, right? It's like muscle memory. Okay. He was so shocked to finally realize what that meant that all of the indoctrination just came flooding out because that's just, it's just rote, right? So when, when something like that happens, you just go and, and go back to something that's, that's instinctual? ingrained, in, instinctual, yes, thank you. I was trying to find the word, but instinctual, because that's what you've been hearing all your life. So to me, that felt like a natural reaction. I don't know. And that's fine. I'm sure Alice Wu has covered this and, and discussed it in any number of, of articles and press. I'm, I'm sure we can figure that out. So our bad list really isn't that bad. No. There's not really a lot of bad things about this movie. Is there anything else you disliked at all? No. Not really. I disliked that we ate an entire bag of lint truffles before the film was over. Well, it's chocolate. And that not, has nothing to do with the film, but it was bad. So continuing on, since we've covered the good, now we've covered the bad, what is the cute? Okay, for me, I actually 
caught this, you know, right away. Um, remember the scene where they were in the ghost chat, right? Are we talking specific scene? Or are we talking just ghost chat in general? Well, the, the first time that they ever went into a ghost chat. Okay. Right? And Ellie was saying, you know, I, uh, what, what was it? Smith something. Smith, Smith Corona. Corona. Right? I didn't know who that was. And neither did Paul, apparently. And when he asked, she said, it's just some guy. Right? Mm-hmm. And you looked it up. And you found that it was either a typewriter or a publishing company or something, right? It printing had company or something? Printing company. And I thought that was really, really brilliant that they they used that handle to describe Ellie because that's something that she's good at, right? She's good at writing. Yes. And then when she had the interaction then with Aster, Aster's handle was Diego Rivero which was a play on the name of Diego Rivera, the very famous Mexican painter, because she loves to paint, right? She, that's what she loves, she wants to do. Ooh, that's an excellent Easter egg. Yes, very, it, it, it was just like, to me, it was just brilliant that, that they did that. I had no idea that even happened. Yeah, and I I don't think that they had anything for Paul. I'd have to go back and check, but I don't even think Paul had a name in the in the ghost chat because Ellie was the one. Oh, that's right, that's right. I, I'm thinking about the the initial text that he sent with all the emojis. All the emojis. And I just remember seeing a picture of a truck, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> for me, it was um, the scene where Ellie and her father try the taco sausage, mm. and how they they hesitantly take a bite. Yes. And then all of a sudden, they're very, again, very quiet, just enjoying food. And they're, it's, it's Ellie's eyes that get me, that make me smile. And then he's like, you like it? Yeah. Like, and they yeah. just ignore him because they're eating. Right. It was and, so good. You know, I'm not a foodie, but I know how much you enjoy when I, like, when I barbecue or when I do something. Oh, so my God. When I, it's good food. Oh, But I, I love the look on your face when you're enjoying your food. So that made me smile. I mean, that was more of a personal cute because it reminded me of, of you when you do eat something you truly enjoy. Aww. Um, all right. So that is the cute. Honest opinion. Honest opinion. I really enjoyed this film. I thought it had comedy. It had drama. It, ha- it, it tugged at my heartstrings. I would absolutely give it a thumbs up. I agree wholeheartedly. It was entertainment. It was exactly what I wanted it to be. It was just a nice, well-developed, well-written, well-performed, well I mean, you just add all the wells, put all the A-pluses across the board. It really felt like an amazing film, and I didn't... It was that type of film where you, you don't realize how long you've been sitting there. Right. I didn't even realize it was an hour and a half long. I'm like, wow, really? I had no idea. I was just enjoying the movie, and yeah. that's hard for me a lot of times especially yeah. like you say I spoil things for you because I my brain starts clicking and I start trying to figure things out this was the type of movie where I just enjoyed it yeah I, and I usually like find you know coming of age movies a little bit trite right yeah but like you were saying Alice Wu didn't go that way she she wrote the characters to be true to themselves and I really Really did appreciate that. Since it's a bonus episode, we're going to do a bonus question. How do you feel about the ending being 
open. I think that it was actually a perfect ending. Why? Because, you know, they, this, it's a coming of age story, right? True. So people, the characters are trying to figure out who they are. And they've gotten to a point in the story. And now they have to branch out to find the rest of their story, right? Ellie is going off to college. Aster is going to go off, I think, to um, art, school. art school, right? And Paul, I don't know if he's actually going to stay or if he's going to open his own shop oh, that or restaurant. Cool. If he was like an expansion of his mother's restaurant, yeah, like a different style. Right? You know, it's it's a blank canvas, right? To bring in the, the, the painting analogy. Mm-hmm. It's a blank canvas now for them. They are free to figure out which, what is their bold stroke. I agree. I felt like the open ending was the end of this chapter. Right. But like one of the things I loved about the way it was shot when it was Ellie riding her bike, a lot of the scenes, the road always just seemed very, very long and you never saw a beginning nor end. Right. And that to me is the ending. It's not the length that you've traveled. It's what you've accomplished. And this section, this part of Ellie's life, Aster's life, Paul's life is complete. Right. But there's still so much more to come. And that's what I felt at the end of this film. Like, I, I see that we could have a sequel, like, you know, where are they now type thing, like mm-hmm. 10 years from now. Right. I know Aster says, you know, look me up in however many years. And it's just there's so much. It's the idea of promise. Yes. Of what could be. And did you notice at the beginning of the film, the road was always uphill? Yes. I realized that after you were talking yes. about it. It was always uphill, but then at the end of the film, when she was talking to Aster, the the road was actually flat. I didn't notice the end at all, but I did notice that she was, because I also remember seeing with Paul, where she's riding uphill, and Paul runs past her. Yes. So Paul, you know, he's building up his stamina. They're yeah. all growing, right? They're all trying to overcome this this thing at this time. And they all make each other better, which yes. makes this idea of the ending being open even better to me because yes. it feels like those those three could have forged friendships that are long standing. I mean, I still have a few friends that I've met in high school. So for me, that that's what I got out of that open ending, that it's just this section has ended, but that's just a chapter in your book of life. Exactly. You know, there are so many more discoveries down the road this is just one piece of it. And that's also where I got her, uh, Ellie, on the train, where after she wipes away her tears, and I think she calls him a moron, too. Well, yes, but I don't know if she was saying, you know, all right. Well, it was it was more like a throwaway, because yeah. she was making fun of herself, because she was exactly. also crying. Right. But when she looked around and she saw everybody, it was a different stage in her life. Everybody on the train was as alone as she now was, away from family, away from everything. Everybody around her was new. Oh, I didn't even notice that. But yes, you're right. Those people might be going on their own little journey. Yeah. But they're on the same train to wherever that is. She's on her path, and these are the new sets of people she's meeting on her path. Right. So for me, the whole open ending, I think, worked beautifully and leaves a ton 
for the imagination to run wild with. Right, because there's so many different paths. And I think that that's, again, credit to Alice Wu, that's just, you know, that is how life is, yeah. right? I mean, I, I think back to, I don't know if we've discussed this already, but um, you know, if I didn't make that choice to come to New York, I might have not met you, or I might not be where I am now. Yeah. But there, the, the little things, the, the everyday choices that you make lead you to who you are. And they led me to you. Oh. On that note, I'm sure we can talk another hour and a half to three hours, but I really don't think people want to hear us discussing this film for that long. No. So I am just going to ask all of you, what did you think of the half of it? And saving face, if you want. Mm -hmm. Feel free to drop us a line on Forever Fan Pod on Twitter, or if you really want to email us and suggest something, info at foreverfangirls.com. I mean, the reason we found this movie is truthfully because our Twitter feeds were exploding. I have, Sheila works a ton. I have been writing and doing other things. Sadly, I've not been paying attention to my Netflix notifications. So thank you guys for tweeting this out so I knew because I, I really enjoyed it. So yeah. thank you so much. It made me really interested in seeing the film because yeah. of everything that everybody was saying on Twitter. So keep them coming. We can add more to Sheila's list. It's fine. Really? Well, honey, There's only 24 hours in the day. I know, and I love you, but you know darn well I'm going to go through this list with you. You're uh, not alone That's in true. That. So feel free. Please, please, I beg of you, give us some things. And please hit the subscribe button, just so you can keep up with all the wonderful times that Sheila does watch Buffy. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Unicorn poop. Ay, it's unicorn poop. Oh, goodness. Okay, so anyway, today's sign-off is going to be a little bit different than our normal sign-offs, since it is a bonus episode and I want to tie it with a nice little bow and incorporate a line from the movie. Okay. Is that okay? It's perfectly fine. All right. So in the movie, Ellie said, love is messy and horrible and selfish and bold. And I agree with all of that. Love is all of that. And know that if you do make that bold stroke, you just might find your masterpiece. I know I did. I love you. Oh, I love you too. So anyway, until next time, don't be afraid to stand in your truth. Bye-bye.